We are going to be in Philippians again tonight. This is a good text. God, God was in charge of this. He put us on it. He knew we was going to be right at Easter when we got to this text. And I think this is a very uh, fitting text for the Easter season that is upon us. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to continue right off where we left last week, starting in verse 5 and reading all the way through verse 11. Last week we talked about uh, Paul telling the Philippians that they should look at the interest of others more than the, uh, their own needs and their own desires. We saw that Paul himself was doing that very thing a couple of weeks ago, and now he calls us to follow the example of Jesus Christ himself in these verses we're going to look at tonight. So we'll pray, and then we'll dig into the text. God, I thank you for uh, just the freedom and the privilege to come, God. I thank you for just letting us know who you are. God, letting your Holy Spirit just tug on us so that we would come to you, so that we can seek you. God, for taking the blinders off, for allowing us to see the light, dear Lord, in a world that is full of darkness. It is by your grace that we can come to know you. and God, we just thank you for that. And I pray that you'd bless the reading of these words tonight, that you would uh, speak uh, through me, dear Lord, that you would speak to us through these words, that you would just help us to Look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, to look at His example, to seek to be like Him and to live like Him and to be obedient to Your Word, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Now, when I started studying that text this morning, I got there and I didn't get much further. I kind of had to ponder on that for a while. Because I, I begin to kind of reflect on the life of Jesus and thinking about the attitude that he had toward the people as he came to serve. And man, what a, what a compassionate and beautiful, forgiving attitude that Jesus had. And, I, and then I got to thinking about my attitude. And it was not the attitude of Christ. Because oftentimes my attitude is one of, of bad. I had a bad attitude sometimes. I remember when I was a kid... I'd be bad or I'd do something wrong. I know that's hard to believe. And, and I'd hear my dad say many times, he'd look at me and he'd say, do you need an attitude adjustment? And I would say no, but really I did. And sometimes it's that way spiritually too. Because I can almost hear God saying those same words. When I begin to get angry at somebody, I'll give you guys a prime example of something stupid that just got my, my blood boiling. We were in Baton Rouge Saturday. And I was trying to get over, and I kind of swerved in front of a car. It was tight, but I, I zipped in there, you know, and, and I probably should have waited, but I was trying to squeeze in there. Well, the car didn't like it too much, so they pulled out beside us, and they, were, they did the same thing, and they just about hit us. They swerved back into us real fast, blowing the horn. And boy, I, my blood was pumping. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to run them down. I'll show them, I'll, you know. And just that quick, bam, something that simple can just get my blood boiling. And boy, I have to fight those things all the time. You guys might not have to, but I have to fight those things all the time because they give me a bad attitude. And then sometimes, the devil may do this to y'all too, try to justify, well, Jesus was angry. It's okay. We saw Jesus angry in the temple. Stop it. Jesus was angry because people were defiling the temple of God. It's not that there's not a, a righteous time to be angry, but I've heard people before Boy, they use that as a, as a justification. Well, Jesus was angry. Well, Jesus wasn't angry because somebody pulled out in front of him. That's not justifiable anger. There are times that it's righteous anger. 
but not very many. We only see a couple of instances in, in the text where Jesus is angry. But what we see in the text a lot is an attitude that Jesus has that's an attitude of love and an attitude of compassion. Even those who was trying to do him wrong. Even those who were continually plotting to kill him. Now Jesus used some sense. He knew to kind of stay away from some places until the time had come. But boy, what an attitude that was that Jesus would eat with the sinners. That he would socialize with that lost and dying world. That he would suffer the ridicule and all the things that he went through. And that's an attitude that we need to try to mimic. And that's what Paul is calling the people to do. Now Paul had already, he was in prison. He's telling the people, look, I desire to be with you. He's telling the people to consider other, uh, other, others as more important than yourself. But he's not saying, look to me. He's saying, look to your Savior. He's saying, look to Jesus. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Now that is good stuff right there. That is good stuff. Here you have Jesus Christ, who is God, who is with God, who is the Son of God, who could have had anything, who could have done everything. Look, imagine Jesus, he could have came. He could have not come at all. But even so, Jesus could have came and he could have said, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to let everybody do. He could have used his power to just have everybody be a servant and a slave to him. He could have laid on a soft cushion with people uh, fanning him all the time, feeding him grapes, and he could have been barking out orders for people, striking them down when they said anything against him. He could have used his power for his own good, for his own comfort. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't use the power that he had for himself, but he set that aside. Jesus set aside the power for his own good so that he could be a humble servant for you and I. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave. We see that, that, that phrase, slave or, or servant, in some translations. We see in other parts of the New Testament that Jesus has referred to as a servant. The very one who is our master and Lord gave up those titles for a brief period to come to this earth to be our servant and to be our slave. Kind of goes along the same lines of what we talked about Sunday morning. Is that Jesus came to be our servant so that we could so that he could be our master and he could be our Lord. Because if Jesus didn't come to be a servant to us, to give his life for us, to take the burden of our sin, then there's no way that we could ever call him Lord and Master. He gave up all of his power. He came from being a master to being a servant so that we could come to know him as Savior. Taking on the likeness of men, and when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross. When Jesus came as a man, it's not like he was immune to the things that we face. If Jesus would have uh, been God and he would have come down merely as a man but didn't have to, to suffer any of the things that we suffer, that is uh, sickness or, or not feeling good or, or the loss of a loved one and all these things that we experience that are, that are difficult for us, if Jesus would have come just in human form but never had to experience that, he couldn't relate to us. But the Bible says that we have a Savior who has been tempted in every way that we have. But he was without sin. We see that in the book of Hebrews. 
And that's what makes Jesus special, is that he has gone through everything that we couldn't beat. Every sin that you know that you don't want to do, but it keeps coming back and you give in to it sometimes. The one thing that God knew you couldn't beat, the one thing that you want to beat so bad, guess what? you got a Savior in Jesus Christ if you turn to him who has beat it. And he can free you from that and he can forgive you for that because he's beat sin. He's beat every single sin that there could ever be. He's beat it. And he humbled himself and came to be a servant to you, to give his life for you so that you could accept him and make him your master and Lord. We don't serve a Savior who wasn't tempted. We know a Savior that has went through every single thing we will ever go through, and he's beat it. And when we need help with something, who better to go to than somebody who knows how to beat it? And Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the only one that's been tempted in every way that you have and I have and everybody else has and who's conquered that sin and he can give you the victory over it and only Jesus can do that. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Now that is some serious obedience right there. Like sometimes God may call us to do something, at least in my life, God may call me to do something and I'm afraid to do it because I'm scared of What if somebody says something? What if somebody makes fun of me? What if somebody gives me a hard time? And I'm not obedient to what God calls me to do because I let my own fears get in the way. But Jesus didn't let his obedience falter because of his fears. Even though in the midst of what Jesus was about to do by going to die on a cross, even though he was afraid and he prayed, Father, if there is any other way, let it be. But if not, let your will be done. Jesus was obedient from start to finish to the, to the Father. From beginning to end, Jesus was an obedient Savior. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Boy, those are some good verses right there. I don't know about you guys, but I long for that day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Now look, you guys may have experienced this too. I've come across some people who who claim to be atheists that are so anti the Lord and they tell me I'll never worship the Lord. But they are wrong because the Bible said that there is a day coming and what a glorious day that will be for those who are in Christ. And what a fearful day that will be for those who are not. As Brother Jennings was just saying before church started, he said there are no atheists in hell. And how true that is. When the Lord returns or when we go home to be with the Lord, whether through death or whether he comes back, when we stand in the presence of an almighty God, what a wonderful and awesome thing that will be for those who have accepted this obedient sacrifice of Jesus Christ who came to be our servant. But what a fearful day it will be for those who have rejected him. And I hope that everybody in this room, I don't know your heart, but I hope that everybody in this room is ready to bow your knee and to lift up your praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we need to examine our our lives in light of this text, in light of what Jesus did for us and what we're uh, celebrating in this Easter season. We need to take a look at verse 5 and just kind of dwell on it. And those times that we kind of get out of whack and things aren't going good and we have a bad attitude. 
and reflect on what the attitude with Christ was. That we may be a, a little slower to be angry. That we may be a little quicker to have mercy. That we may consider the needs of others as more important than the needs of ourselves. Because Jesus didn't call on us to do something He didn't do. Jesus gave every single thing He had for us. And He calls us to use that same love and take that same love that He had that we received through Him and give it to a lost and dying world that needs to experience. Let's pray. God, what a powerful and wonderful text you gave us tonight. And God, I pray that you would help us to have the attitude of Jesus. God, I pray that those times that we need an attitude adjustment, that you would give it to us, dear Lord, through your word, or maybe uh, just through uh, another brother or sister in Christ, God, that you would kind of get us back on the right path when our attitude's in a bad place. God, I pray that you would help us to be a light to this world. God, that we would, through our actions and everything that we do, that we would know that a world is watching us, so that we would be a good light for you to this world, God, so that they would see your love. God, I, hope, I pray that you would help us to recognize the wonderful love of Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross. And if there are any in this room, God, that you would just tug on their heart if they don't know you, that they would come to you, Lord Jesus, that they would accept that sacrifice that you gave on their behalf so that they could be forgiven of their sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.